I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at Genesis chapters 27 through 29. In Genesis chapter 27, we see a blessing heist here. As a matter of fact, I've entitled this section in my written notes on, Hey, this tastes a lot like goat meat. Chapter 27, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me some savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison, and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched, and brought them to his mother, and his mother made a savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread, which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank, 
And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. Now, before we go any further, here's an important fact of reality that we need to make sure we understand. Esau had already sold his birthright, which was the first son status. He sold it to Jacob for a mere bowl of soup. It rightly belonged to Jacob. Just look at the record back in Genesis chapter 25, verses 31 through 34. Let me read them. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. Verse 32. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? Verse 33. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Now verse 34, Genesis chapter 25. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up, and went his way. Thus, now listen closely, Esau despised his birthright. So it's important to note that Esau did willingly sell his first son status to Jacob. Let's play the what-if game for a moment. What if Jacob had gone to Isaac in advance and told him plainly that Esau had bartered away his birthright to Jacob and that he had sealed a deal with an oath, with a sworn oath? Well, I'm certain that the outcome would have been the same. Oaths were very sacred in that society. That oath would have been honored. However, Jacob and his mom deem it necessary to enter into a deceitful pact to ensure the success of the birthright transfer. Now keep in mind, Isaac is 137 years old at this time. Now, I have some calculations on the written notes of Bible Track for today's reading in the yellow box to the right of this paragraph that confirms that, in fact, Isaac was 137 years old. Now, that being the case... We know from this passage that he was blind. I mean, really, really blind. Here's the deal, though. It was traditional to gather the sons around when the deathbed blessings were to be given out. But Isaac calls only Esau on this occasion. Perhaps he was trying to sneak one by. He wants to bless Esau before his death. (laughs) He actually lived another 43 years. But... He doesn't know that. First, he wants this birthright ceremony to be preceded with a good old home-cooked meal by his eldest son, Esau. Rebecca has other ideas. When Jacob is hesitant to buy into her solution, in verse 12, he cites the resulting curse that may come upon him if he's discovered. And look at Rebecca's reply to uh, to this concern. In verse 13, she says, Upon me be thy curse. So if things go wrong and Isaac discovers the deception, she says, Let the curse be upon me. But wait, there's one other component of this scenario that we need to take a look at. And that's the word of the Lord to Rebecca while she was still carrying the twins back in Genesis 25, verse 23. She was told back then that the elder shall serve the younger by the Lord himself. Rebecca must have felt that her actions were validated by the Lord on that occasion. While Esau is out shopping for the ingredients to the meal, Rebecca assists Jacob in pulling off the heist. 
they trick blind old Isaac into blessing Jacob with the rights of the firstborn rather than Esau. Keep in mind, they were twins. Esau was just a few seconds older than Jacob. Moreover, they had struggled even in Rebekah's womb. We see that in Genesis 25:22. So Jacob probably always felt that he'd been the unjustly edged out one at the finish line. Isn't it interesting that Isaac couldn't tell the difference between goat meat and venison? The Hebrew word used for venison there means hunted game. Well, if you'll notice in the passage, one lie didn't do it. Let's uh, analyze Jacob's multi-lie transaction here. Lie number one is in verse 19 where Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Lie number two is in verse 20. When Isaac asked Jacob how he found, killed, and prepared the game so quickly, he replied, The Lord thy God brought it to me. Well, that's certainly a lie also. There's a third lie in verse 24. When Isaac asked him point blank, Art thou my very son Esau? And Jacob replies, and he said, I am. The first few times I read this story, I always wondered why when Isaac realized the deception... He did not simply retract the ill-gotten blessing based upon the dishonest measures by which it was obtained. Moreover, Isaac performed a rather involved identity confirmation, which concludes in Genesis 27:24, where he says, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. Would not any court of law throw this blessing out and perhaps even lock Jacob up for being an imposter and a scam artist? Well, not really. Here's the fact. The birthright belonged to Jacob, with or without the deceit. Esau had sold it to him and sealed it with a deal. As a matter of fact, sealed it with an oath. Like it or not, the blessing of the firstborn belonged to Jacob even before Isaac sent Esau out to bring home his pre-blessing meal. I'm confident that's the real reason the blessing stood. In actuality, it was Esau who was about to receive a blessing to which he had no right. The honorable thing would have been to say to Isaac, Oh, by the way, Dad, I transferred my birthright to Jacob, and, oh, incidentally, I sealed it with an oath. So Jacob and Rebekah were not the only deceivers on the premises that day. Well, just for good measure here, let's recap the deceit. Esau, he was deceitful, because he intended to receive the eldest son birthright, which he had bartered away and sealed it with an oath. Well, Isaac was certainly deceitful. He intended to hold a secret ceremony 43 years before his actual death in which he was going to award the birthright to Esau. Rebecca, no question, she was deceitful. She was involved in conspiracy to commit identity falsification. Big time. And finally, Jacob, of course, was deceitful. There was identity falsification and well, just outright lying there. Let's face it, the whole deal was shady. However, it turned out just as God had told Rebecca it would in Genesis 25:23. Nobody fooled God. Incidentally, you may be amused to know that Jacob and Esau are 77 years old when this incident takes place. Look at the information box that I provided to the write of these notes on BibleTrack.org for today's reading, and you'll see the calculations are unmistakable, 77 years old 
And by the way, as I'll point out later, Jacob's still not married. Esau's been married for 37 years. So what's the big deal with the blessing anyway? Let's look at verses 27 through 40. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting, and he also had made savory meat, and brought it to his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise, and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob, for he hath supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants, and with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above. And by the sword shalt thou live, and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck." Well, the essence of Isaac's blessing over Jacob is found in verse 29, where he says, Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee, and blessed is he that blesseth thee. Wow! That clearly declares it for Jacob to be, listen to this, Lord over thy brethren, and that thy mother's sons bow down to thee. When Esau strolls in with his bless me now meal, Isaac has already awarded the contract to Jacob. Esau asks in verse 36, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? In verse 37, Isaac points out that the terms of his blessing of Jacob did not leave much wiggle room to award anything of major significance to Esau. Nonetheless, he does issue a blessing to Esau in verses 39 and 40 says this, And Isaac his father answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth, and of the dew of heaven from above, and by the sword thou shalt live, and shalt serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. 
woe. There are some alarming stipulations in verse 40. Jacob should watch his back. That almost sounds like an invitation for Esau to, well, perhaps do Jacob bodily harm. Incidentally, Esau cites a difference without a substantive distinction in verse 36 when he says this, Is not he rightly named Jacob, for he hath supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he taketh away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? The Hebrew word for birthright there indicates the right of the firstborn. While the word for blessing is more general and can be given to anyone. This blessing pronounced upon Esau was the blessing of the birthright. Esau's complaint of verse 36 had no validity. Jacob did not take away Esau's birthright. It was freely given. And the resulting blessing reflected that. We do see, however, that the covenant blessings originally issued to Abraham are passed through Jacob now and not Esau. We see that in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 4. Now, for more information on that, look at my article under topics entitled The Abrahamic Covenant. Now, here's a really interesting aspect of this conflict that I alluded to earlier. This may not have occurred to you before. We know from Scripture... Definitely that Isaac was 137 years old when this blessing controversy took place. So if Isaac was 137 and he had his twin boys when he was 60, well, how old does that make Jacob and Esau at this time? Well, that's right, 77 years old. See, I told you that was interesting. Now, Esau had married at age 40. We see that in Genesis 26:34. But Jacob had never married. Hey, Jacob, at 77, it's just about time to start thinking about getting a wife. In chapter 27, beginning with verse 41, we find a conversation between Rebekah and Jacob. Verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, her eldest son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau is touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. And tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away. Until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him, then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Haith. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Haith, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? I wonder what Isaac had in mind in verse 40 when he said, Thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Whatever he meant, Esau intended to make it sooner rather than later. We see in verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother Jacob. Esau thought his father was about to die, so he decided to wait until after that to dispose of Jacob. Who knew Isaac would live another 43 years? 
It was a good move on Jacob's part to heed his mom's advice and take a little vacation back to his mother's hometown while Esau cools off some. The pretense of the visit was to keep Jacob from doing what Esau had done, and that's marrying a local woman, a Canaanite. She obviously did not have a good relationship with her Hittite daughters-in-law, as seen in verse 46 when she says, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Haith. Incidentally, prior to Israel's return to Canaan, after the exodus from Egypt, Israel's commanded to drive the local inhabitants from Canaan, and that included the Hittites. Rebekah simply did not want Jacob marrying a local Canaanite woman as Esau had done. Now to get more insight into the family thinking on that, look at my written notes for Genesis chapter 24. You'll see that Abraham and Isaac had considered it an imperative that they take a wife from his hometown and not from among the Canaanites. As a matter of fact, Rebekah says to Isaac in verse 46, I'd rather be dead than to see Jacob marry a Canaanite. Well, in essence, that's what she said. And she knew what she was talking about, too, because Esau had been married to a Hittite woman for the last 37 years. That's evidenced in Genesis chapter 26, verse 34. In chapter 28, we see that Isaac reconfirms his blessing to Jacob before he sends him away. Verse 1, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham, to thee, and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Paddan Aram, and to Laban, son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Well, in this passage, Isaac categorically states to Jacob, You may not marry a Canaanite. Jacob is instructed to go marry a relative. Isaac then reconfirms that the promises given to Abraham will now, will now pass through to Jacob in Genesis 28.4 when he says this, And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Here we see the first outcome of having received the blessing instead of Esau. The blessing of Abraham is passed on through the lineage of Jacob. Incidentally, that place, Paddan Aram, that's the name of the district in Mesopotamia lying just around the area of Haran. Esau attempts in chapter 28, beginning with verse 6, to get back on the right track. Verse 6. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from thence, and that as he had blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, and that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Paddan Aram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahaloth, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. 
Well, now realizing that Isaac did not appreciate the fact that Esau had married those local women, Esau takes some more wives from among kinfolk. That would be Ishmael's descendants. You'll recall from Genesis 21:21 that Ishmael's first wife was an Egyptian woman. In chapter 28, beginning with verse 10, we see that God confirms his promises through Jacob. Verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee till I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows. And he set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Well, Jacob leaves his parents and his brother. He leaves them behind in Beersheba and has a vision on his way to Paddan Aram. That's the area up in Mesopotamia where Haran is located. It's about 500 miles. It's the Jacob's ladder vision where God passes the blessings given to Abraham on down to Jacob. Even though Abraham had already been there, we see in chapter 28, verse 13, that Bethel was named on this occasion by Jacob. The name Bethel comes from a compound Hebrew word meaning house of God. Jacob's blessings come in the form of a dream where he sees a ladder stretched to heaven. During the dream comes the following blessing, verses 13 and 14. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. Now here it is. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And then verse 14 says, And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now take a notice of verses 20 and 21. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. 
does it seem as though Jacob's commitment to the Lord had been a little maybe lacking prior to this vision? Jacob then pledges a tenth unto God. In chapter 29, we find that the well is a great place to meet a prospective wife. Verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked and behold a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered. And they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep. And put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together. Until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. Now, didn't the servant of Abraham pick up Isaac's wife, Rebekah, at this very same well? Maybe Rebekah told Jacob before he left home where all the hot spots were up in Haran. Anyway, that's where Jacob meets Rachel, helps her water her flock, actually. He kisses her. She runs home to ask Dad if she can keep him. Rachel's father was Laban, the brother of Jacob's mother, Rebekah. The Hebrew word translated brother there in verse 12 in the King James Version also means relative. Jacob and Rachel were actually first cousins. Well, it gets there, and of course, Dad's thrilled. We begin reading now with verse 13. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said unto him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. By the way, we see here in this passage, there's also Rachel's older sister, Leah. Notice the distinction between the two girls we see in verse 17. It says, Leah was tender-eyed, but 
but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. The Hebrew word for tender-eyed means that she was soft and gentle. So one soft and gentle sister and another who is, well, beautiful. Now, soft and gentle would be nice. Yeah, but who cares? Rachel's beautiful. They immediately make the deal on Rachel. Seven years of labor for Laban and the girl becomes his. But we see beginning with verse 21 that Laban does the old bait and switch. Verse 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so, and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. Now, who says you can't con a con? Jacob had, in fact, done the identity falsification on his father, and Laban does it on Jacob. After seven years of labor, he wakes up the morning after his marriage to discover that he's married the wrong woman. Rachel's not as beautiful sister Leah. Marriages were done differently back then. The actual marriage consisted only of the consummation of the relationship. How could something like this happen? Well, I think back to Lot. He drank too much and had sexual relations with his daughters in his semi-conscious state. Well, here in verse 22, Laban threw a wedding night feast. I'm certain wine was a big part of the feast. The next morning, he's married to Leah. The lesson is, don't drink and marry. Jacob gets Rachel, but subsequently works seven more years for her. So in the space of a few days, Jacob goes from no wives to two wives. After the law of Moses was given, it became a violation of the law to marry the sister of your wife, we see that stipulation in Leviticus chapter 18. It should be noted here that the girls, Leah and Rachel, were given from Laban. They were given handmaids after their marriages, Zilpah to Leah and Bilhah to Rachel. These uh, handmaids each end up bearing two sons to Jacob to round out the 12 tribes from Jacob. Now let's get the timing correct here. After Jacob spends his first night with the tender-eyed Leah... He's told by Laban that he needs to fulfill her week before he can be awarded Rachel as well. The bridal week was full of fun and festivities, at least for everyone except Jacob. At the end of the week, Jacob is given Rachel as well. The chronology of the births of Jacob's children dictates that Leah and Rachel were married to Jacob within the space of just a week. 
In chapter 29, beginning with verse 31, I've entitled this section, Let the Childbearing Begin. Verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons, therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord, therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Well, let's face it. Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. As a matter of fact, verse 31 says, The Lord saw that Leah was hated. Well, what's the remedy to this? Well, here's God's remedy. Allow Leah to have all the kids, four of them, while Rachel appears to be barren. Incidentally, when you have a promise from God that your seed will prosper, well, kids are pretty important at that point. Well, that's all the childbearing that takes place in chapter 29. But we'll see some more of that on the 30th of January when we look at the rest of the children born to uh, Jacob. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.